0: Welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast where a group of friends from Philadelphia talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies, of the movie world. I'm here with Sam, Dave, and Connor, and we are continuing our uh, month of romance. But before we dive into our theme, how is everyone doing? Uh, how, How are we feeling today? Seen any good things? Got anything on the mind?
1: I haven't seen a whole lot, but I did watch the trailer for Edgar Wright's new movie, Last Night in Soho, with the uh, Anya Taylor Joy, and then the um one of the leads in Jojo Rabbit, and that movie looks really cool. I think it comes out October.
0: I also saw that trailer, and yeah, it looks like quite a quite a trip.
1: Although I was getting, uh, just <clears throat> I just think a few episodes ago mentioned that I watched Tenant. Uh, for the first time, and so that movie also has very heavy red and blue theme. And Last Night in Soho is seems like exclusively red and blue with the weird tra- time travel stuff. So just interesting similarities.
2: Or Suspiria, the original one.
0: Ooh, interesting. So red and blue as time travel motifs. Mm.
2: Well, not Suspiria, but...
0: I thought you were including that as an example. (laughs) Oh,
2: no. Just another very red and blue movie.
0: Red and blue dominant movie. I completely understand what you were saying. It's a red and blue dominant movie. It is not a time travel movie. Yes. (laughs) Got it. That's correct. It's all coming together for me.
2: It's more of a ballet horror movie. Oh. But not that much ballet. uh, Not as much as the remake which uh, actually uh, housemates and I know a uh, cast member of, it, an actual ballet dancer who's featured prominently in the movie. I finished a full series, a four-installment series that is a series of Lifetime movies, uh, which was the Stalked by My Doctor series. that starring in all four Eric Roberts. Um, it was truly a wild wild journey so folks the premise as you might imagine is that uh dr beck the sinister dr beck played by eric roberts uh is basically falling in love with patients that he rescues younger patients and it's sort of you know your typical like lifetime cautionary tale but with added and escalating insanity with each installment to the point that the third one features a totally like uh positively out of nowhere like 1950s-esque singing and dancing number with eric roberts uh part of the plot is that he's going to perform a heart transplant on uh, two women both of whom don't love him and somehow that will cause them to love him it's truly an obscene wild and totally enjoyable ride i would suggest if you're going to watch any of these uh the first one and the third one, but maybe just the third one because the third one was truly wild. I've not seen something like it in a long time. So um would recommend those. They're on Amazon for free.
3: What prompted this?
2: Well, to be fair, this is something that was featured on a Patreon. Uh, we Hate Movies podcast um, exclusive episode. They're doing uh, Once in a Lifetime, which is a uh, semi-regular uh, analysis of a Lifetime movie. So they picked the first one. And it really piqued my interest because it sounded crazy. And then they just kept getting crazier. So it's quite the journey. Uh
1: It's nice when you discover those Hallmark or Lifetime movies that just go
2: off the rails. Yeah, this one is like a high art example of that. It really, really really pushes some crazy buttons.
0: Sounds phenomenal. I would say that probably all Lifetime movies go off the rails at some juncture, but...
3: I really I love the Lifetime or Hallmark movies with uh, any ghost. A- anytime yeah. there like a specter or ghost involved, man, they really bring their A game. It's usually around Christmas, not Halloween, which you would think, but almost always Christmas. So, um, yeah. You know, there is something there is meat there that that <laughs> deserves to be discussed.
0: I mean, A Christmas Carol, that's a classic, classic ghost, ghost specter movie. story. So, yeah. you know, they're tapping into that Christmas Ghost Market. Sure.
3: As you do.
1: Uh, that's the name of my new band, Christmas Ghost Market.
3: Mm, I like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Charles Dickens has something to say about this. Um,
2: so,
3: that was my band first. You can't yeah. take
2: it, Connor. <laughs>
0: That's
3: my Charles Dickens. (laughs) Maybe also the Muppets might have something to say about it too. (laughs) Um, I talked about this last time we recorded, but I am still watching the boys. I am in season two now and I really like it still. Um, Season two is starting off with a literal bang, uh, which is fun. I'm only in the second episode and Connor, I remember you saying that it kind of starts off slow. Is that true? Still true? We'll
1: yeah, I, would, I mean, in terms of, like, action, not slow, but in terms of kind of, like, at least me feeling, like, super invested or interested in the season, mm. uh, the character Stormfront takes really interesting turns that propel, I feel like, the back half of the season.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested with her character. Like, she put forward the idea that another character was a, a plant or a spy, and you're like, oh, is that you projecting? So very interested to see... How it all shakes out, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I would recommend this show. It's definitely something to check out.
1: I, I, I think Tony Star, who plays Homelander, is yeah. horribly underrated in his um, career and things he's been in. I think he is absolutely phenomenal in this show, and from other things I looked up in, heard he's good. So, I hope for a bright future for all the cast, but especially uh, New Zealand actor Tony Starr.
3: Yeah, he, his, oof, his character is diabolical.
0: Well, speaking of diabolical, um, yeah, I guess I don't know if uh, I mentioned it on the podcast previously, but some friends and I just completed uh, Matthew McConaughey, in which throughout the month of May we watched pretty much, well, not all the Matthew, I think we watched all of his very worst movies, and a couple m- middling gems. Uh, I I, met, I had recommended The Beach Bum last week, I believe, and I, that was definitely the best one we watched. But one of the worst ones we watched was uh, Fool's Gold, oh, it's which sweet-y. was when he reunited with Kate Hudson in a rom-com about treasure hunting, uh in what was supposed to be the Caribbean but they shot the whole movie in Australia so it was pretty clear it was not the Caribbean but uh that was a waste of 2 hours but you know it really uh really rounded out rounded out our month and uh we'll be actually talking about a uh another Matthew McConaughey movie uh as a part of our theme which I guess we'll just roll right into uh in our continuation of love and romance movies, uh, we are going to, this week, be talking about 2001's A Space Wedding Planner. Uh, It's starring Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey and uh, was directed by Adam Shankman. And actually, this January was the 20th anniversary of the release of The Wedding Planner. So what better time to talk about a movie than its 20th anniversary? For a quick synopsis for those who have never seen The Wedding Planner, um, it's about San Francisco's top wedding planner, Mary Fiore, uh, who is organizing a wedding for her biggest client yet, but realizes the groom of this wedding is a guy she's fallen in love with after he saved her from a runaway dumpster. Uh, And that guy is Steve Edison, played by the one the only Matthew McConaughey. And um, so, yeah, this movie is a continuation of our theme around romance. Why did I pick this movie? I really don't know completely. Um, I watched it for Matthew McConaughey. This was also a movie I've seen a bunch of times. Hadn't seen it in a while, but definitely was on TV all the time. And so I'd watch it instead of doing my homework. And uh, also, I think the careers of J-Lo and Malcolm McConaughey are fascinating. Not only did The Wedding Planner come out in January 2001, that same month, within the same week, J-Lo's album J-Lo with the hit Love Don't Cost a Thing came out. So it was a huge week for her. And she was the first woman to have a number one album and movie come out in the same week. So that was, that was a really big highlight in her career at that point. And uh, yeah, so let's just get right into it. How many of you have seen The Wedding Planner? I know Sam has.
2: I'd never seen it before.
0: Dave had never seen it before. Connor had never seen it before. Um, any initial thoughts or impressions of watching this movie for the first time? And then we'll hear from Sam, who I you've seen this multiple times, right, Sam? Oh, my God, like a thousand. A thousand times, yeah. The heavy rotation. Yeah, what'd you guys think of the wedding planner?
1: As somebody who just got married recently... Uh, Hashtag triggered. (laughs) Um, And also like, especially in the beginning when it's like the opening wedding scene and there's like a little like TV preview of what the film looks like or all the guys are drinking right before the flower girl goes out. It's like none of this happens. None of this absolutely happens. Maybe in some weddings, but, and the bride morning of, I don't know. It was just like very movie wedding and very triggering of wedding stress for me, which I recently just got rid of in my life. And I was like, oh no, it's back for 90 minutes or an hour 40.
0: What is a uh, thing about that opening shot is that you see Jennifer Lopez navigate, like Mary navigating all of the biggest disasters that could happen right before a wedding is about to begin. And so, from the the people getting married's perspective, everything goes smoothly because she's there behind the scenes making sure that everything is. Is good to go, and I love I love that opening scene where she's got her like belt of of knickknacks and tools, and mm. she's pep talking the father of the bride, and she's ensuring that everyone has view a view from their seats. Uh, she calls it like this woman with a like huge head of hair. She's like the the tower is blocking the Our view. Tower. And she's got Judy Judy Greer in the in the wings, yeah. Dave, what'd you think, I did, did appreciate
2: <laughs> I found this for me to be a pretty middling kind of movie. Um, it's a movie where the things that unfold makes sense for the most part. Uh, it's a logical story. It has uh, emotionality that fits into that story. And I just sort of didn't, I found myself thinking like, this is, it, this is definitely one of those comedies where funny things happen, but I'm not brought to laughter. And romance and you know the, the the sort of like uh stakes of the romance are playing out, but I don't really feel their weight. So for for me it kind of felt like a lot of missed opportunities, but I did enjoy JLo's performance. Um so on the whole, I, I would say I found it to be underwhelming to put it diplomatically, I guess. I didn't think it was bad, but I also didn't really feel much watching it.
0: Cool, cool. So we've got little two two real depictions of Possible wedding disasters from Connor. And then we've got kind of a middling uh, reaction from from Dave. Sam, what was it like to return to this movie after the umpteenth time of watching?
3: Uh, it, it was like bananas. So I remember like watching this movie as a kid. Christine, in your notes, you were like, this was in heavy, regular rotation is same, same with me. I I'm pretty sure I had this movie on VHS that I, cause I, I watched it so much and it's definitely something that has stayed with me. Like anytime I'm eating an M&M, particularly the peanut MMs, ms I'm always oh, thinking yeah. about only eat the brown ones, less artificial flavor, whatever. Um, so I, I had like a lot of Um, like nostalgia and positive feelings towards this movie. So I was excited that you picked it, excited to return to it because I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Um, Boy, I wish it was not something I had revisited because I was like, oh no. (laughs) I I really disliked it this time around. (laughs) Um, I think that, you know, J-Lo is someone who does deliver a very good performance and that, you know, it made me start thinking about all the, the J. Lo movies that I actually really do like, like I love enough. And, um, I also, I maybe not like it, but like, it also stays in my mind a lot made in Manhattan. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, Oh God. Every minute when my roommates and I were watching this, we were like this, she deserves so much more. One more for yourself, J. Lo. <sighs> Come on, man. So, yeah.
0: So it's like watching this after a while, like after a long time has passed since I had last seen this, I had a lot of the same reactions that you had, Sam. At, at every kind of point, it was part of me was wonderfully reminded how great JLo lo is at taking material that is, is so flatly written and just doing the best she can with it and i think outshining like pretty much i mean she and judy greer are a great pair um but i always love to
2: see judy greer yeah
0: judy greer just lights up every movie especially every rom-com that she's in
2: and this is another chapter her for her biography judy greer forever a secretary
3: i was just about to say always a, always a bridesmaid never a bride yeah like uh
0: sh- what women want she's the secretary or she's like a person in his office what other secretaries does she arrest Arrested play?
2: development Ar- oh
0: yes arrested yes 13 going on 30. Ooh, i haven't seen that in a while but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure she also elevates that, <laughs> many of the scenes in that movie.
2: She's great um, in this, though, yeah.
0: So, yeah, so definitely returning to this was kind of like, wow, this movie <laughs> occupied a big part of my brain for a very specific time in my life. And boy, is it interesting to return back to. I will say it is A wonderfully, well, maybe not wonderful, but it is a very fascinating time capsule into material that the early 2000s was churning through, especially within the rom-com genre. Um, And we can get into more of that later, but if we think a little bit about, so I I talked about kind of a little bit of facts about J-Lo's involvement in this movie and the fact that she had a hit album come out around the same time. Matthew McConaughey, this movie really marked the beginning of his rom-com era. And I've dubbed this Rom-Com-McCon, which lasted from 2001 to 2013. And then everyone dubbed 2014 as the McConaissance with True True Detective. Uh, But this time for about 12 years, he was in so many rom-coms, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, well, we had Fool's Gold as well. What was some others? Oh, um, Failure, Failure to Launch. All of these uh, terrible movies. But this movie really began it all, and it's really interesting to see his role in this movie and wonder like, why he was so desired as a male lead in all of these rom-coms. We can maybe explore that um, a little later. Uh, a friend of mine actually just read his memoir Green Lights, and <laughs> was like, "It is really bizarre." And he's testing the waters for a run for governor of Texas uh, with like a YouTube channel and a self-help book slash memoir. So it's an interesting kind of update on Matthew McConaughey's life. Anyway, a lot going on there. <laughs> there's so much going on. I I don't know why that guy still has a platform, but you know,
3: yeah. everyone's got left- a. The people of the United States, the people of Texas, they deserve better than any of this.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, check out his YouTube videos, where he like doesn't completely say that he's running for office, but all of the telltale signs are there. Um, like, Rand. Oh, he and J Lo did a live video chat about. The 20th anniversary of the wedding planner in January. And he had an American flag in the background. It's like, dude, you are doing an obligatory convert like press conversation about this movie that you probably you and J-Lo probably don't give a shit about. What is your American flag doing in the background of your frame? Are you trying to like throw in your bid for governor as you're talking about this? Uh, rom-com and your fond memories of filming this. I don't know. It's all very confusing.
2: Um, <laughs> all, all you Texans are going to love me, a guy who played a guy in New York.
0: <laughs> San Francisco.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, excuse me, San Francisco. You're right.
0: Which it's like, besides the key scene where a runaway dumpster is flying down this very steep hill, I don't know how you're supposed to distinguish this setting or from another... Random city setting.
3: Um, pardon when she is uh, drunk and going home. Uh, you can definitely see her on a very big hill falling down again. And then he picks her up off the street. <laughs> That's it.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, this sort of sums up what she does in the movie. She's either crawling on the ground or falling. <laughs> it, as we've mentioned before, her performance is quite remarkable given the material that she has to work with. Um, What kind of sets everything in motion is she's crossing the street after a really big important meeting where she's going to land this really high profile client and she gets her Gucci shoes stuck in the grate of this manhole. Uh, And little does she know that a driver who drops his ice cream in the front seat, hits a dumpster at the top of the hill and sets it careening down this very steep hill right in her direction. Uh, But young doctor, Steve Edison, Matthew McConaughey sees like pulls over, gets out of his car and sweeps her up right as the dumpster comes down, saving her life.
2: I remember having in my notes here too, crushed by a wayward dumpster while prying a heel out of a manhole cover. What a way to go.
0: It's, I gotta say, as far as um kind of a physical comedy moment, it's pretty compelling. And I think what JLo does so well is, you know, it's like her character is driven. She is really good at her job. She's like the best wedding planner in the city. Uh, But she, she cares about her clothes, which is great. She looks so good the whole movie. And I absolutely love her outfits. Um, I think I had made the note to me, she's like Carrie Ann Moss in the Matrix, except in like, instead of like being in like beautiful, minimalist, black, Uh, pleather. She's like in beige and blue pleather in like these really beautifully cut minimalist coats. And I'm like, oh, she, it's like, she's just put together just to a tee. And so it makes sense that she'd be wanting to get her shoe out of the grate instead of running away from this dumpster. And I think J-Lo pulls it off. She, she captures in that moment a sense of like, I need to save my life and get out of this dumpster or away from this dumpster. But I also had I think I can get my shoe out. So it's a, it's a, it's a compelling scene. Anyhow, she gets saved by Steve Edison. They have a moment. He smells like grilled cheese and plums. Like all of these lines that were just coming back to me in my brain as I was watching this movie. And they have a little thing. Turns out he's actually the groom of one of the weddings that she's planning. So Everything gets really complicated.
3: How did we just give him a pass for that? Like, as a child, I don't think I understood the complexities of, like, why it's a bad thing that he is engaging in this type of behavior, right? Because we're like, oh, you know, our our heroine is J-Lo. Like, we want her to find love. But he's just like, oh, Steve wanted to go to a movie. Oh, Steve blah, 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 blah. Fuck this guy. I hope he never finds love. And... And well he
2: does. <laughs> but,
3: but we don't know if it's forever, you know. I I hope twenty years later they're divorced and he's thinking about a run for governor of Texas and hopefully won't get it. Ooh, the wedding planner,
0: based on a true story, the Magic hey tale, how things all things fell apart. Um, I feel like
2: I would agree, but this movie does the thing that a lot of rom-coms do, where all of that guilt is absolved by all of the character interactions because they're all neatly wrapped up with contentment for everyone. Oh, like, Like, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's like the woman he's seeking to marry doesn't really want to marry him. The guy that uh, J-Lo kind of knows is ultimately, for some reason, just like, oh, you'd prefer Matthew McConaughey? Ah, okay. And, like, it just kind of everyone's cool with how everything pans out. So it's... Yeah, it's one. Of, it's kind of one of those in that sense. Do we
0: feel that they have any chemistry? Like the scenes that J Lo and Mac- Matthew McConaughey have together. It's. I'm. I'm hearing that it's uh, not a plausible or um, desirable match based on the circumstances. But do we feel like they have any any chemistry in any scenes? Or are we pretty much rooting against them the whole movie.
2: <laughs> I'd say their characters do. I would say that these actors don't.
0: Hmm.
1: I thought the hospital scene <clears throat> after she gets saved and for some reason is brought to the pediatric wing of what was it, it Saint Vincent's? Work. And it's like, oh, you have a big neck. What? what? Well, I'm not. I haven't seen a, a patient over six in years. You got a big neck. My hand hurts from your big neck. I don't know. that's that scene was just very painful.
0: Which is also, okay, so if a dentist saves you, you're not going to the dentist office to recuperate. Similarly, right. <laughs> Steve Edison is a pediatrician, so she would not realistically be taken to the children's ward of the hospital to be taken care of. She would go to a regular doctor, which, yeah.
2: It's like, it's okay, I'm a veterinarian.
0: Exactly, it's okay, I'm a vet. You go sit on one of those metal inspecting tables right next to that golden retriever and I'll get to you in just a moment. It's like, no, no, that's not how the world works.
1: I do want to add that at my wedding, um, somebody cut their foot on broken glass and two dentists wrapped it up.
0: Okay. Okay. I didn't mean to hate on dentists. They serve a very vital uh, purpose. Not all heroes uh, wear
1: stethoscopes, you know,
0: but mm, mm, mm. Dan, if well, you're
1: listening, thank you for helping.
0: Thank <laughs> you for assisting uh, when people with cuts need it.
3: Um, Christina, I, I love that. This is your line in the sand. You're like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck this movie because he would never take her to a children's
0: hospital. I think it also connects to something that we brought up earlier in this conversation before we started talking about the wedding planner. And it actually was brought up by Dave and his lifetime (laughs) The Doctor is stalking me movies or whatever the title
2: stalked by by my doctor. By my doctor. (laughs) Featuring Eric Roberts.
0: Where it's like, why do doctors fall or like in these contexts fall in love with their patients and become obsessed with them? Well, it's kind of a similar situation. I think. Steve Edison, this character, has a savior complex. And so he, I think it's that sense of, like, I've saved her. She's going to fall for me because I'm, you know, the hero. And I fulfill this sort of, like, hero role. And uh, I have a sense of entitlement and power, too. So I think I've seen some connections between doctors with too much power. Uh, and then... Well- making questionable uh, decisions.
2: Do you see that as a sustained thread, though, through his character through the movie? Because I feel like it happens at at the onset and then it's just sort of, like, understood that there's a romantic dynamic without needing to necessarily elaborate on it through writing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's trying to get... He's Yeah, I guess we we do see his sort of conflict uh, obviously being engaged and pursuing this other woman...
2: Um, yeah, I feel like it's more, which I guess uh, it sort of makes sense. And maybe it's in the movie's credit that our focus is more on the tension of that situation. Well, It's equal parts, the tension of that situation and their budding romantic relationship, I guess. But or, yeah. or does that feel balanced? I don't know.
0: Well, she points out in multiple points in the movie that she's not the one who's engaged because they have this mm-hmm. like tete-a-tete in one of my actual still favorite scenes when they do the tango at the dance class. so It's a great scene. They, they've decided, so before she finds out he's the, the like, he, before she finds out he's a client of hers, uh, he agrees to go to the park, go see an old movie in the park we're introduced to the M&Ms where he only eats uh, the brown ones because they have less artificial flavoring. Classic.
2: throwing away 80% of the bag.
0: Right. Yeah. A big (laughs) waste. Yeah. uh, But another one of those lines that just, you know, jumps out from the past. Um, And so that, you know, you can really see them getting uh, into one another. And then she's asked by the bride her client to go to the dance class because she and the groom are learning how to dance so she shows up the dance class lo and behold steve edison is there and she's like holy fuck you're the groom she gets really pissed off uh but they have to practice dancing together because the bride has to go take care of some work thing Uh, and so he has to practice dancing with j-lo And it just showcases how amazing JLo is at dancing. And they have this really great uh, tension-filled conversation where she's like, I can't believe you're married. And he's like, oh, like, well, uh, you know, uh, I can't believe you're mad at me. I don't really understand what his excuses were, but... He starts speaking in the third person, which becomes a weird thing where he's like, well, Steve was kind of inter- like, interested and Steve didn't think that one date was going to be a huge deal and Steve this and Steve that. She's like, why the fuck are you speaking in third person? But I think it's Matthew McConaughey like oozing into the character. Like I could totally see him in real life having this exact same conversation. There's no line between character written in the script and Matthew McConaughey. But it's the closest, I think, to some like actual friction and interesting friction that we get the whole movie.
3: I I don't know if I've said this already yet, but I think that Matthew McConaughey might actually be somebody I hate. Like I straight up oh, really? hate this man. I do like yeah. Matthew
2: McConaughey. Not in this role, but I do. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Why so?
3: I mean, where do we even begin? Um, You know what? We'll save this for another day because I don't want to, I feel like I could just go like this. Um, But, you know, I feel, I I don't think I could give Steve an honest chance anymore because I just, I hate Matthew McConaughey. So I was like, yeah, fuck this guy. Um, But like, is he, and Christine, I think you asked this, Like, is he at all a redeemable character?
2: I don't think he's developed enough for that to even really be an issue. <laughs> it's really kind of I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess what is his redemption really like? Him, I suppose, confronting his his bride to be and like them both admitting their feelings, and then him swooping in and stealing him from someone that JLo has already agreed to marry and seems to be down with. So I don't know. Probably not. I don't.
0: <laughs> I will say I there are also. I, I also have some examples of McConaughey performances that I really love.
3: Um, yeah, me too. So I
0: can't say I hate him across the board, but I think that there's this, now having watched numerous rom-coms in a short period of time with him in it, there's this energy of, like, what I would say a script writer would say is is charisma, is confidence, is, like, Mm-hmm. that they're like, oh yeah, we want this guy as a leading man because we could set someone up to fall in love with him because he just, you know, he's good looking and he has this swagger and this confidence. It's, yeah, like, he
2: oozes confidence. That's definitely so, true in this role.
0: It's so upfront and is so a core of his being that it, it, it just comes across as being just, just unctuous and entitled and just, and, I see this in this movie, him making Jayla or making Mary Fiore, I'll say the character, bear the weight of the uh, of the like stress of the situation. And in very few moments do we really see him recognize the stress of this particular type of situation. And it seems like he doesn't have to carry that at all he just he lets it slide right off of him hmm. and yet mary fiore as a character is the one who has to like work through the fact that she's in love with a guy who's already uh engaged to somebody else also the fact that her father which we haven't talked about is trying to set her up with a childhood friend of hers um and she feels like she she ends up having she ends up saying yes ultimately to sort of like bear the responsibility of like keeping her family happy it's like she is carrying so much of that and he is just letting it off even in the final scene when he and his fiance are talking about how they aren't actually compatible and she he he sort of plays this like you don't want to get married right and she's like you aren't doing this on the day of our wedding like this fucking sucks he's like but you really don't want to he just sort of like suggests these so that he can get out of the situation what he wants. And we ultimately recognize that she might not have been happy in the marriage, but like the way that he performs this character is just things are just constantly sliding off of him and he doesn't really have to get mired in the like real emotional substance of what's going
3: on. And I feel like
0: sometimes he just operates like that in all of his rom-coms. Anyhow, that's my soapbox about Matthew McConaughey.
2: Yeah, I mean, like the the most emotional attraction we get is like what a stirring scene where he rides on a scooter. Like oh. that's that's the big that's the big emotional catharsis and transform transformative moment for his character toward the end. And like, I don't know, it's not that convincing.
0: <laughs> and it's like he just doesn't break a sweat until he's riding on the treadmill, or like running uh, on the <laughs> treadmill with Massimo. That's
2: that's actually
0: kind of a funny scene. To another whole aspect of the story, which we touched on. So Mary's dealing with Steve and the wedding, but she's also um, dealing with um, the fact that her father wants her to get married. uh, And a new character is introduced in the movie, Massimo, who grew up with Mary uh, in Italy. And then they didn't reconnect till the present day. And Her father is like, uh, this guy is perfect for you. You guys were friends and childhood sweethearts. This is the guy that you're going to marry. And Mary is like, hell no. What do we think about the whole family um, plot line and and scenario (laughs) in the movie?
2: It's not one of these rom-coms unless you make time, unless one of the main characters makes time out of their day to sort of do these like, Sentimental activities with her aging parents. That's that has to be in these kind of movies, and it's in this. I mean, it's the Scrabble thing, uh, but it's also like the yeah, her father's pressure to to marry this childhood friend, which is it, you know, it's eventually revealed that he was himself in an arranged marriage, um, and that that adds some dimensionality to all that. I, I I don't know. I think everything of substance really comes from uh, J Lo's character and from her fan. Well. Eh, in a cliche way, but in a more substantive way than her relationship with McConaughey and the actual through line of the story. Um, those little details are, are perhaps a little bit more illuminating than anything else. Although, Christine, as you had in your notes and I'll, it caught my eye right away was when J-Lo mentions it, when my parents came over from Italy. And it's like, we don't have to do this to Jennifer Lopez. Why are we doing a reverse Scarface? This isn't, It's yeah. it's rough, it's rough.
0: Yeah. So like essentially like whitewashing Jennifer Lopez and yeah. her Puerto Rican. Like how does characters? it change it that like,
2: she's not Puerto Rican? Like what what why why does her, her being Italian make a difference?
0: So not only like is she a, an Italian character in this movie, but then the her family and the Italian characters in this movie are like thrown into like the deep end of stereotype, where yeah. it's like her father is this like heavy accent. Massimo, Justin Chambers has this accent that um I was watching this with a friend uh, and they were like, he's drowning in this accent. <laughs> <But> <laughs> what I remember about this movie and what I Massimo was always my favorite character. like I thought that like e- and even returning to this movie, I had the most laughs when he was in the scene and when he was interacting with Mary. Um I think Justin Chambers provides the like nice, like Judy Greer-esque energy that scenes need. Uh, sort of the wild card care. He's definitely the wild card character in the movie. Um and it's definitely relying on an unfortunate like accent. Uh and yeah. but he really down to the fact where I was like, Massimo is the guy for Mary because he makes this this beautiful dollhouse and he seems to really like sit with her and care about her. And uh, even though he like was gross as a child, which the movie really loves to like <laughs> drive home. Uh, and, and he's also a wonderful foil to Matthew McConaughey's energy because like Matthew McConaughey is like, yeah, he's like, you know, a man's man. And, like, Massimo's hot, but, like, he's kind of got this, like, goofy energy. And Mm. at one point, Steve and Massimo are together because Mary is scouting for wedding venues for the bride and groom, and Massimo just, like, randomly appears, (laughs) And Steve is like, let's go do some, like, manly bonding. And Massimo's like, yeah, let's do some manly bonding. So they go on a treadmill and they start running. And Massimo is just, like, not – he's just keeping going, not breaking a sweat, as happy as a clam. And Steve is, like, dying on the treadmill, which is just such a a nice little, I don't know, jab at Steve's overconfident manly manly manness. But um, anywho, yeah, it might – one of the questions I had was, do I need to put my love for that character to bed forever? <laughs> or Even though it's, yeah, it's
3: bad, but. I don't know. I don't think it's Massimo's fault that he was <laughs> this way or that the accent was that way. And you know, this is his character. And actually like just um, Jennifer Lopez being Italian and that being like a, a subplot of this I can't believe that like my mom was okay with me watching that as a kid and being like, yep, this is a good way to think about your heritage. This is a good way. Like my grandfather literally came from Italy. Like you want to talk about families coming out, like, like literally. Um, and nobody in my family talks like that. Mom, why did you do this? Why did you let me watch this? I will say though, yes. Um, Justin Chambers, you said his accent was like so bad every once in a while he would hit something. And I'm like, you've heard an Italian person speak once. I can I can believe that. I think you have heard him heard somebody speak that once. Um, But also something that like really bothered me. And it's interesting to see. I think that for a very long time um Italian characters particularly like Italian men are always seen as these like Casanovas and are always like a little bit more in touch with like emotions whether it be for the better or worse um and I think that we tend to not see those characters much anymore and instead like those have now become like um when we do see Latino characters like that's usually how the stereotype betrays them in most of what we see today at the very least so it's it's interesting that like somehow the stereotype still exists and yet jennifer lopez was like not allowed to be puerto rican she had to be italian like i I don't i think the stereotype existed in 2001 too but for some reason still couldn't be puerto rican
0: yeah, so many questions surrounding
3: the decision making <laughs> in this
2: movie. Oh, yeah, I mean i wrote down two lines or a series of lines here. There's um when where they're dancing is um where did you learn to dance like that? Ballroom classes. Oh, you're gay. Oh yeah, the gayest. Or also what is not a line later on? Why do I dance like a retarded string bean? Like it's it's a very It's a 2001 movie, but it's 2000 late, man. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But also, my problem, though, with Maximo, actually, interestingly enough, I mean, there's all of that to consider. But... I don't think he's the right choice for her either. I mean, he's definitely someone who is imposing himself and like saying like, no, we should be together. We should be together. We should be together. Through the first two thirds of the movie. And then the the moment we're supposed to find sentiment for him is when he puts her on the spot in front of her whole family to propose and saying like, look, if you say no this time, then sure you're off the hook, but your family's here and they want you to get married. So I don't know about this character either, frankly.
0: Yeah. So you bring up a really important point, too, Dave. Right on the other extreme, even though Massimo presents these thoughtful gestures, he's—you're right—he's so imposing um, or manipulative. Her. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> which made maybe is a even clearer indication about how fucked up this whole situation is when the audience gets pulled in to rooting for her and Massimo because all. Like, if that like like value systems in the and inti- in relationships in the whole movie are so wonky that, like you're you're like grasping for anything that like resembles like a good outcome for Mary,
2: <laughs> which could have been interesting, too, because you could have had the simultaneous rising and falling tension of Matthew McConaughey, if he was written better, coming to realize that no, like I, I you know, I need to be better to this person and like we're actually in love instead of just like shoehorning himself in at the end, if we also get her realizing that Maximo has, you know, been this imposing figure and that perhaps Matthew McConaughey is a better choice. It's easy to make this work, but they didn't either way. <laughs> I feel.
0: Yeah. Lots of, lots of questions. Um, and no answers. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, like the director, Adam Shankman has done movies that I've really enjoyed, like uh, Rock of Ages, which got panned, but I've, I fucking love that movie. So I, I, don't know. I saw the the musical too, the like stage production. It's great. Um, like it's done. Absolutely, uh, Glee. He was a he was a choreographer for a long time, um, uh, like a big time choreographer. And so you can see that. In addition to the tango scenes, you can see some moments where it's like, oh, somebody who like values uh, like physical presences and movement is like at the helm, but like he did hair, he like directed Hairspray. Um, but something really kind of like, (laughs) didn't, I don't think come together with this movie, but then again, maybe this is also revisiting something after 20 years because yeah, I, I, this is definitely a movie I had remembered fondly. (laughs) It's like,
2: (laughs) I guess as you're saying that though, Christine, it does make me think that there's a lot of pretty like valuable, like physical comedy and slapstick kind of in this movie that, that of any other comedy, more than the character driven comedy lands for me. Like her her crawling around under the table to avoid being spotted by her ex, even though she crawls toward them, which is bad blocking Um, sort of the, you know, the, the running on the treadmill thing, which is, is pretty comedic. So it definitely has some moments that I think are, uh, you know, are, pretty, pretty good, steeped in pretty good physical humor. But I think that, um, that's kind of, uh, that's my big takeaway rather than the meat of the bone on this movie.
0: Wow. The wedding planner, it, it, it came and went (laughs) (laughs) here. We are to pick up the pieces. Um, but yeah, any, any last thoughts or things that really were, (laughs) Deep analysis of the movie.
2: <laughs> well, certainly not a deep analysis, but I love seeing Fred Willard in anything, so that was fun. Oh, yes. As, as the dance instructor.
0: Dance!
2: <laughs> <You must> dance. <laughs> yeah, as this, as this forceful dance instructor, which is actually pretty funny.
0: I, the, whole, the whole dance scene, I think it was just more of that. Like, honestly, turn it into a musical and I would have been... <laughs> happier. Like, have J. Lo sing Love Don't Cost a Thing at the end of the movie.
2: She's a wonderful singer. Give her some some stuff to do. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, she had already done Selena. She already had showcased her immense talent, from Selena to, she did Out of Sight, which was her breakout role with George Clooney. Like, she had a shit ton under her belt. Anaconda. Um, (laughs) Anaconda,
2: yes!
0: (laughs) So she had hopped into it all uh just I want so much for her, Uh although I'm celebrating her and Ben Affleck's uh, reunion. <laughs> They're back together. And that's probably another reason why I wanted to do this movie to celebrate her and her, you know, success.
1: <laughs> One this is not about deep analysis but i am very fascinated as the you know resident kind of box office nerd on the podcast very fascinated in super bowl premiering movies um cuz usually the super bowl weekend is one of the worst weekends to launch a movie and the mm. wedding planner launched during super bowl weekend in 2001 it is the 13th highest grossing movie in super bowl weekend with 13 million um Other movies such as Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds is the number one Super Bowl premiering, Super Bowl weekend premiering movie with 31 million. Uh, Dear John with 30. I'm not gonna go through all of these, but Taken also premiered uh, during Super Bowl weekend in 2009, making 24 million. Um, Chronicle, Josh Trank's pretty good superhero movie. Uh, When a Stranger Calls, Woman in Black, Warm Bodies. So there's a really interesting diversity of, you know, like counter programming. Uh, movies to launch during Super Bowl weekend. So The Wedding Planner, January 26, 2001, is number 13 on the list. Um, And it is the seventh highest grossing movie that opened during Super Bowl weekend.
0: I wonder if it was less... Well, I wonder what the conversations were around the release of her album and the release of the movie. Um, Because, yeah, the album J-Lo did... Really well. Like, I wonder if that was coming out, and was like, "Oh, this would be awesome to." It's being used in the movie. Let's release it at the same time, um, because yeah, I mean, a January release is kind of where they like the movie graveyard.
2: <laughs> uh, you know but, what? It's a it's a Sony Pictures release, though, so maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, kind of a, a, tra- a a cross uh, cross media tie in.
0: Yeah, yeah, really would be really interesting to kind of get behind the scenes intel on how that relationship was uh, established but but yeah i mean i i'm it's it's wonderful to see that Jayla's career just kept soar has kept on soaring and oh speaking of super bowl the halftime show she did with Shakira like she yes. is just killing it these days um she is an immensely talented Performer, actor, singer, ev- everything. Um, and so I'm just excited to see what more stuff she uh, she has coming up. Yeah. Maybe a run for Texas
3: Governor. <laughs> oh, maybe they'll compete. It's <laughs> <Yes>. a <laughs> new rom-com. Oh we've got God. Matt McCodway,
0: or McConaughey, the third-way centrist, and then we've got J-Lo <laughs> trying to, like, actually solve problems but anyhow this is
2: the movie I want
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well folks any last thoughts on the wedding planner I tried to okay I saw the looks on your faces at the beginning of the episode when I tried to make a 2001 Space Odyssey joke I totally (laughs) blew it and everyone's like I I saw the faces on your like the looks on your face you're like I don't know what she's saying (laughs) did she get the movie title right
2: (laughs) I was confused. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, I was confused as well.
0: You know, you try things. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes you know you can retract them. Sometimes you can't. And uh, that <laughs> well, one—the
1: the fact that you bring up now means it can't be edited out or changed. That's yeah, I, in there I, now. You know. <laughs> folks listening. That's the original take.
0: I've made that bed, so I gotta gotta lie in it. But uh, mm, 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 mm.
2: I'd say you know, not, not a movie for me, but worth a watch. I think, you know, it's it's fun enough, it's got its problems, but, you know, well, what else are you going to do? Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I would say if you really, truly have nothing better to do, <laughs> watch this movie. Or no, actually, for those listeners out there who maybe had similar experiences uh, to, to Sam and me, Revisit it. We would love to hear, like, maybe this was a, a another instance of like having watched this movie when you were younger or remember it and haven't seen it in a while. I'd be really, we'd be very interested to hear your thoughts um, in uh, another go around of the wedding planner. Well, that's, that's a wrap. And um, once again, we're so excited to be a part of the movie John network. Be sure to check out that whole uh, whole host of different uh, podcasts that uh, are also within the movie John network. Um, you can check us out on all the socials on Instagram. Send us an email. You know, send yeah. carrier pigeon. I don't know how are people communicating these days.
2: It's mostly uh, thirty, yeah, thirty-two character uh, messenger pigeons, I believe.
0: I want a messenger pigeon. Ca- yes, carrying no more than thirty-two characters.
2: Keep it brief. You know they can't. You don't want to work those birds too hard.
3: No, 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 no.
0: Um, There's a
3: union and everything, so you know. They're very, yeah, yeah.
0: We want we True. want to uh, recognize um, the efforts of of the carrier carrier pigeons. So <laughs> all of their. I don't know. We got we got of stuff, guys. We we made it happen. We talked about the wedding planner. We did it. So excited for our next movie next week, uh, and have a wonderful whatever. We will catch you later. Bye.
1: All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Oh.